Okay, we're good. Hi, this is Dominic Keating, live at the uh, convention in... Sorry, let's go again. Motor City Comic Con? Yeah, go ahead. This is Dominic Keating, Malcolm Reed, Lieutenant to you, at the Motor City Comic Con. Just wanted to say, uh, keep on listening to Treks in Space. Treks in Sci-Fi. Shut up. Just say Treks in Sci-Fi and I'll edit it together. Go. Treks in Sci-Fi. Great. <laughs> hey, welcome to the show, everyone. This is Rico, and this is Trex and Sci-Fi. As you heard that, uh, I'm not sure if I played that unedited version of that uh, clip before, but that was Dominic Keating, who played, of course, Malcolm Reed on Enterprise. Uh, at last uh, year's Motor City Comic Con, I asked him to record a little audio snippet for the show, and first he said uh, Trex in Space, and then I had to uh, get him to say Trex in Sci-Fi. So uh, so there you go with the unedited version of that clip. <laughs> Hope you enjoyed that. Uh, going to have another great show, I think, this week for you folks. Uh, I'm going to be looking at uh, the episode, uh, uh, episode of Enterprise from the first season, about, I guess, midway in the first season. This episode's called uh, Fusion. Uh, it gives us a little insight into uh, some uh, not-so-normal type Vulcans uh, that meet up with the Enterprise crew and have... Uh, some uh, interesting situations with T'Pol, so that'll be coming up later in the show. Going to be used, doing our usual looks at uh, the Trek movie and other things in the worlds of Trek and sci-fi. Talk about a few other little things going on in those areas in movies and television. And uh, going to have a collectible later on and some other good stuff. Oh, I also have to announce kind of today that uh, we got some special clips that are going to be sprinkled through today's show. Thanks to uh, Rick Moyer. He sent those in uh and basically uh, different little intros for different sections of the podcast that I normally do and all kinds of fun stuff. So I want to really thank him for sending those over uh, to me to use on Trexin Sci-Fi. And to begin with, let's play his intro for the show. I'll be right back. Ladies and gentlemen, it's time for Trex and Sci-Fi with Rico Dusty. Prepare to download my program into the autonomous emitter. Tricks in sci-fi. Battle stations. Stand by to receive our transmission. Great. Thanks a lot for that intro, uh, Mr. Moyer. Really appreciate that uh, pretty funky little beat you got going there. Uh, really, uh, it's going to add a lot to the show. I'm looking forward to listening to the rest of these as we go through uh, this week's show. I think I forgot to announce, uh, like I normally do at the beginning, uh, this is podcast uh, number 165. Today is March the 16th, 2008. Uh, tomorrow is St. Patrick's Day. 
And to kind of celebrate that, if you are a, a subscriber to the podcast via like iTunes and feeds like that, uh, use the RSS feed for the show, you will probably notice that there was a video that I released yesterday. I put together a little uh, sort of a St. Patrick's Day kind of video using some clips from the episode Shore Leave of the original series with uh, one of my favorite Irish characters uh, ever in Star Trek, Finnegan, of course. And I had a lot of fun. I clipped it together from the sh- uh, that show and threw a few little subtitles throughout. So uh, if you didn't get that, uh, the link will be, I'll put it in the podcast notes this week. Also, it's on the forum, the link, and, uh, well, you should be able to find it. So check that out. It's also on YouTube, on my YouTube uh, set of videos. If you look, search on YouTube for Treks in Sci-Fi. What's the latest Star Trek movie? Let's find out. All right. Well, uh, as far as the Star Trek movie, uh, not too much information coming out in the last uh, week or so. Uh, A few little things. Uh, There was one report. I don't think I talked about this one before on last week's show or anything. Uh, There was a report that came out that uh, Chris Pine, who's playing, of course, the young Kirk in the movie, is sort of... uh, He's a big uh, Han Solo fan from Star Wars and big Harrison Ford fan, and he made some uh, comments about uh, how his how his take is on portraying the young Captain Kirk and how he's trying uh, he's trying not to copy William Shatner's uh, portrayal of Kirk in the early you know original series. He's you know you got to be a little bit careful doing something like this. I think you know you don't want to really mimic the guy too much. Uh, you probably want to you know have his sort of sort of personality, but I don't think you want to like try to move like he does exactly or or that. I think it could come off a little bit weird in a way. But one thing that he said was something like uh, this. He, he sort of saw Kirk as sort of a Han Solo type character, you know, fly by the seat of your pants kind of guy. And I could see that a little bit. And he's sort of uh, using some of his inspiration. You know, he's a big Harrison Ford and Solo fan. So he's using some of that in his uh, I guess, in his acting and performance as Kirk. And, of course, that that in some uh, forums online, some Trek forums in different places, set off kind of a big, you know, firestorm of the whole Star Wars versus Trek and, you know, what does he think he's doing? You know, Kirk is in Han Solo and that. And, you know, I think people have to relax. Sometimes these interviews with some of these people come off a little, you know, they either get some of the things wrong or it's not exactly the way it was intended. So I, I think people always have to take this stuff with a grain of salt and not put too much into it and not worry too much. Uh, I, again, still have great confidence in J.J. Abrams and his abilities to pick the proper cast and with a great script. I'm not too concerned with anything here. Uh, one thing that uh, is uh, is happening, uh, you could check a lot of this out over at trekmovie.com, probably the best site to look for. Uh, current Trek movie news, which I've mentioned a few times before, it, it seems to be that there's a lot of uh, interviews going on with some of the different people. Simon Pegg, who's playing Scotty, uh, Cho, uh, what's his name, John Cho, I think. He's playing Sulu, you know, that kind of stuff. They're doing a lot of discussions. Anton Yelkin, who's uh, doing Chekhov, and uh, basically they're just talking to a lot of the different cast these days. Of course, there's not a whole lot they can say uh, about their, you know, the movie specifically or anything like that. But you get a little insight into them as actors and and how their take is on the different characters. Simon Pegg especially seems like he's a pretty big Trek fan, so that'll be kind of interesting to see. Uh, you know, it'll be uh, it'll be a little bit weird, I have to admit, you know, to see all these different actors playing these 
you know, iconic characters when the movie does come out. Uh, well, we're getting close to a year away. It'll be May of 2009, as most people who listen to the show know. That's the new official date, early May. Uh, not sure what it was, the 5th or the whatever, something like that. The first week or so of May of 2009, it'll be coming out. And, you know, it'll be... Uh, you know, maybe uh, uh, what I'm hoping is is that once we're into watching the movie, you know, after maybe 15, 20 minutes that we're just, in, you know, we're just watching kind of a fun Star Trek uh, adventure and we're not really too focused on that guy isn't really acting like Kirk or that's not the way Spock would be or any of that kind of stuff. You know, if you can sort of push that to the side, especially for somebody like me, and I'm not uh, too worried about it really. I've watched, uh, you know, the New Voyages team do their take on the original characters and it you know it's i don't have a problem with it and i think that a lot of people won't really and there's going to be a lot of people seeing this movie who are not as into trek and not as familiar with the original series and a lot of things that uh myself and other people that listen to the podcast are into so uh, also have to keep all a lot of that in mind so that's about it for the uh talk about the movie this week what's going on in the world of sci-fi Okay, they're on the uh, on the rest of the uh, front on the world of sci-fi and entertainment on TV and the movies. Uh, I want to mention a couple of things. Uh, first, uh, let's talk a little bit about Stargate. I watched the uh, the latest or the newest uh, DVD release that they did for Stargate SG One: The Ark of Truth. This was uh, just just came out on DVD last week. Basically, this was to wrap up the Ori storyline. For those familiar with Stargate. The last, uh, I guess it was the last couple of seasons, I believe, that they were dealing with this super powerful race of beings that were trying to spread the word of the Ori throughout the galaxy. And, and basically, uh, they were like the new Gould that, uh, you know, they were trying to subjugate all these worlds under their rule. And if you didn't basically obey them and fall in line, they would just sort of wipe you out and... The they had uh, spent a lot of time on searching for a way to defeat them, and in the movie The Ark of Truth, I'm not going to talk and, and give away real big plot points. I'm sure there's a lot of people listening that haven't seen it yet, but uh, all I'll say is that this pretty much ties up uh, the whole Ori storyline. All the main cast is back, uh, main characters or cast, however you want to say that, uh, and you know have a good uh, good deal to do in this story. There's a lot of uh, action it's i believe they filmed it pretty much right after season 10 wrapped up in the end of the tv show the regular show so you don't see like it's not a like a lot of time has passed by they don't say okay this is two years later or anything like that it it kind of picks up pretty much right after season 10 right right after the last season uh roughly uh you know so there's you know that's that's kind of good i think uh, what else should I say without giving too much away? I enjoyed it. I, I thought it was, it was well done, real fun to see. Uh, you know, it was um, great to see the Stargate SG-1 team kind of back in action. There's also another film that they're going to do. There's a little tiny, tiny little bit of behind-the-scenes uh, video on the on this disc uh, about that. That's called Stargate Continuo- Continuum, and that is going to come out in the summer, I believe. I'm not sure the exact release date for that that will also have Richard Dean Anderson in it as O'Neill again. He wasn't in this one, the Ar- the Ori Ar- Arc of Truth story, but he will be in the next one. And looks like they went to some pretty exotic locations for that, so I'm looking forward to that as well. So if you're a Stargate fan, pick up uh, Arc of Truth and give it a look. 
Also, this past week, the uh, the first uh, real trailer, kind of a teaser, they show a fair amount uh, for the Hulk movie. Uh, this is just, I believe it's called The Incredible Hulk is the actual title. It's not really called, uh, the first Hulk movie was just Hulk, I believe. This one is called The Incredible Hulk, I think is the actual title. Not The Incredible Hulk 2 or not Hulk 2, but not that that makes a big bit of difference. Uh, anyway, Edward Norton is playing um, Bruce Banner, uh, the Hulk in this movie, and it looks good. Uh, a lot of people are saying things about the trailer about the effects and the way the Hulk looks, and, the, and there's this creature that he fights, uh, and that they're they're saying that the they don't like the way the CG looks, and they're complaining and whining about that already. And again, this is a trailer. The effects, from what I've read online uh, and what's been announced by the people working on the movie, are still being worked on and tweaked. So I wouldn't uh, I wouldn't hold too much of this against uh, them. I think the Hulk is a very interesting character. I've always uh, thought that that. Uh, He's one of our Marvel's most, you know, conflicted and, and interesting characters. He's he's got this sort of Jekyll and Hyde personality thing going on. He's a scientist, but then he he transforms into this beast that that basically he can't control. Uh, it, it looks like a good movie. I think this is going to be fun. Uh, I was kind of okay with the first one. I didn't think it was as bad as some people uh, thought. Uh, I enjoyed it for what it was. I thought it could have been a bit better in a lot of areas, and I think they spent too much time before they got to the Hulk area and the Hulk parts. But uh, anyway, this one will be out. I believe it comes out mid-June or so, the movie, so looking forward to seeing the Hulk. And, uh, you know, this is going to be like superhero comic book uh, mania this summer. I mean, we've got the Hulk, another Batman, Iron Man. Uh, It's just going to be all over the place uh, with those Hellboy 2 is coming out. So uh, if you're a comic and a sci-fi fantasy type fan like I am, this is going to be a blockbuster summer, not to mention, uh, even though it's not a comic-based movie, not to mention Indiana Jones and the Kingdom of the Crystal Skull, which comes out towards the end of May. So going to be lots of great things over the summer to see at the movies. Year one. The only if you could have any of Jane's which one would you want? And this here's Serena Bolt. And she's going to slow this ride. No, I can't remember the hand for Year two. Dear Dr. Tim, what should I do? Who is this? This guy's got a blue ass. Oh, jeez, that is hilarious. Year three. The verse just started. So I says to him, I said, I don't care if you're going to be a mighty You have that suit ready for Mr. Badger tomorrow, or you will become intimately acquainted with my associate here, Mr. Pie in the firm of pain, pain, agony, and pain. Now, the signal is back for a bigger and better fourth season. This is the place. We'll buy you the time. Hold. Hold till I get back. It is a way of life for thousands of strangers who, like Serenity's crew, bonded to become something more than themselves, a family, with a mission to keep the Firefighters alive. (laughs) Welcome back to the Signal! Yes, welcome back. It is... (sighs) We had our little bit of time off, and we are back. Season 4, going strong. I can't wait. Find us at www.serenityfirefly.com. Okay, I want to take a little brief uh, detour here now and talk a little bit about the uh, upcoming podcast, a little bit about the websites and things like that, of uh, that to nature. Oh, let's get the uh, typical announcements out of the way. TrekSF at gmail.com, always the email to uh, contact me if you've got a review of a book, movie, TV show, 
CD, who knows, video game, whatever. Send it in, and I'll play it on the show and uh, share your insights on that. And in relation to that, on uh, two weeks from today, the podcast, which will be, I believe that's March 30th, I want to do a little special show, and the idea for it is this. I want to talk about uh, kind of old sci-fi movies from like the 50s, early 60s, that kind of thing, you know, big monster movies. These these are the kind of movies that I grew up with watching before there was a lot of sci-fi and TV, before there were a lot of sci-fi movies to go see, uh, things like, uh, you know, Queen of Outer Space and the the movie Them and, and I, you know, Plan 9 from Outer Space. Almost, I want to really talk about, uh, focus on movies that are almost so bad that they're good and fun to watch. Although, if you want to throw, um, or I'll probably talk about some really great, great uh, sci-fi movies that you shouldn't miss either. This Island Earth, that's another one that comes to mind. Uh, but what I want is some participation from the audience and, and the listeners on this. The audience is not really an audience, is it? I guess it's an audience <laughs> for you guys that listen. But what I was uh, hoping for is that maybe uh, if you have a favorite movie of this kind of type and genre, uh, from the uh, from that time period and something that you really like to watch for whatever reason you think it's really great or you think it's almost uh, kind of schlocky and kind of hokey now but it's fun to still watch I would like you to create like a little mp3 file and email it to me keep it a couple minutes long two three minutes at the most and just tell me a little bit about the movie and what you think about it and and uh, you could even slide in a a clip from the movie into your review of it. But send those on in, and in two weeks on the podcast for March 30th, I'm going to discuss uh, those, the entries you guys send in, and also throw in a few of my own. So I think it'll be fun. I think there's a lot of people that, uh, especially if you're a little on more on the younger side, uh, who think uh, movies started with like Star Wars for sci-fi and things like that, and and there's a lot of great old stuff to watch, uh, both on the uh, schlocky fun side, but some classics as well, too. So we'll try to do a little bit of both. But I think I'm going to emphasize more of the uh, what I consider the the fun ones that are a little uh, hokey and, you know, the things that they used to play sometimes in Mystery Science Theater and that kind of stuff. So I think that's going to be great uh, to do, and I look forward to hearing from all of you. Okay, and also on next week's podcast, I'm going to do a special show next week. I'm trying to do uh, and announce this uh Ahead of time, ahead, ahead of, uh, but <laughs> yeah, there we go again. It always happens at least once or twice per show. This uh, next week's show, which will be coming out on like Easter Sunday, I believe it is. Uh, I'm going to look at Battlestar Galactica. I've done that a little tiny bit a long time ago. I think I mentioned the original series, and I've mentioned, of course, the 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 current Battlestar series several times on the podcast. But I don't think I've ever really. I don't. I haven't looked at them and dedicated kind of a show to Battlestar Galactic about the um, original series and the new series. And I wanted to do this because the new season of Battlestar, the, the new the new version, of course, uh, season four will be starting in a couple of weeks on the Sci-Fi Channel. So I thought this would be a good time to look at Battlestar Galactica. So that's going to be coming up next week on the podcast. And uh, one last thing, I also want to continue to mention the uh, the RPG, the role-playing game, is still uh, going on, and we're uh, into the, the just uh, starting, uh, well, we've gotten about a week into Season 6 on the forums. If you go to the treksinsci-fi.com and find the forums link, and then just go to the RPG area there, you'll be able to find out. You know, this is our little creative writing in the Star Trek universe 
that we've been doing for many, many months now. Uh, the uh, Jen and Kenny do a great job moderating that. We've got some new people participating this season, and I have to say uh, we've really, uh, really pulled out all the stops. Everyone's really doing a, a fantastic job. The, the writing and just all the character development for this season is really uh, superb, and you guys are uh, doing uh, doing great on that. I'm really enjoying reading the posts. So if you'd like to try your hand at a little Star Trek writing, hop on over to treksandsci-fi.com and check out the forums. Oh, one other uh, thing I forgot to mention earlier on uh, that uh, in the Star Trek discussion a little bit uh, uh, the uh, second part of Star Trek of Gods and Men just came out uh, just yesterday, and that's available over at StarTrekOfGodsAndMen.com. It's uh, really cool, and I urge everyone to see it. I, I just watched it myself, and uh, I thought they did a great job. And uh, a very interesting story, and like I said uh, before about this series, they are uh, really uh, utilizing a lot of actors and characters from all the different series and movies and things. So check it out over at StarTrekOfGodsAndMen.com. I'm going to take a very short break here. We've got a little uh, musical interlude here uh, by Robert Picardo again uh, talking about Annika. So listen to this, and I'll be right back. I can find a rhyme for Janeway Her love would be my mainstay But I must confess, I'm lost, more or less, with Annika. Annika, it's a cinch to rhyme Bellana. Her kiss would be Nirvana. But rhyming is lame when you get a name like Annika. Annika, if only her name were Uhura. We'd romp on the beach in Ventura If she were Yeoman Rand You'd see my Roman hand Caress her in the sand of Del Mar I even rhymed Jadzia While plastered on Sangria But Annika has no patter And yet, what does it matter? Cause I love her still from afar Okay Okay, there must be something. I'm just not thinking hard enough. Mm. Moniker, as in her moniker, is Annika. Though I must confess I'm lost, more or less, with Annika. Annika. Annika, 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 Annika. Hmm. Tyrannica. Botanica. Granular. That's really bad. Oh, rhyming is lame when you get a name like Annika. 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 Satanica. That's better. Maniaca. That's worse. With sweet to Paul and Hoshi, I want you all to know she is free to come and go. She to stay. I have searched my whole Britannica and still can't rhyme my Annika. Yeah, 
Yeah, I hope you enjoyed that uh, little take there. Another song from Robert Picardo, of course, who played the Doctor on uh, Star Trek Voyager. That was something uh, Nathaniel sent in again uh, on his take on Annika and trying to rhyme uh, Seven of Nine's uh, real name uh, for his song. So that was real enjoyable. I really appreciate that. I guess uh, he must have a whole CD of this stuff out. I'm going to have to locate that and uh, and get a copy of that because this is some good stuff. I like that and his Borg song. And I know he's um, somebody at conventions that sings usually during his uh, question and answer and, and convention appearances. So anyway, again, thanks for sending that in, Nathaniel. Okay, I think it's time to uh, get into uh, this week's episode. Uh, this one, again, is from uh, Star Trek from Enterprise. Well, it was just called Enterprise in the first season when this episode occurred. This is, uh, the production number is number 17. So it's, like I said, uh, mid, a little past midway through the, the first season, I guess more towards the end of the first season. And it first aired on February 27th, 2002. So, gosh, six years ago or so now. Anyway, the episode is called Fusion. This is basically a strong T'Pol episode. The Enterprise uh, encounters a Vulcan vessel that's uh, crewed by uh, somewhat unusual Vulcans. These are Vulcans that are sort of embracing their emotions to a degree. They have sort of broken off from the general uh, teachings uh, that normal Vulcans... Normal, I guess, is maybe not the right word, but anyway, that your average Vulcan who uh, meditates and keeps all their emotions under uh, control and in check and basically are are very logical and unemotional, these Vulcans are more of, well, maybe emotions are okay as long as you integrate them properly. They they say they haven't given up on on logic completely or anything, but they're sort of uh, sliding emotions in as well. Now, for those that uh, are, you know, the big Trekkies out there, and I'm sure a lot of people listening to the podcast are well aware Vulcans, the the history there that, and the reason that they are the way they are, and that they suppress their emotions and logic and everything, is that uh, thousands of years in the past, Vulcans were very violent uh, and aggressive and just basically out of control, uh, more than probably humans have been in in thousands and thousands of years, and maybe even more. Uh, they were so far out of control like that that they nearly destroyed themselves, and Surak came along and basically brought this uh, idea of logic and uh, emotional suppression to them in order for them to basically bury their their feelings so that they could get on and with their lives and their culture and you know pursue things without killing each other in essence and having their emotions just win out you know they're always Spock and T'Pol and other Vulcans that have popped up on Star Trek, uh, they're always sort of taunting and teasing humans about their lack of control and discipline and emotional, um, you know, just their emotional out-of-control state, even though Vulcans used to be even worse than this. Well, of course, to Paul, being a, a, a normal, strong, you know, uh, strong, I, that, that might not be the right word, but, you know, she's, she's you know, has always gone along with all this pretty much. Although she is now on this crew of humans, which has sort of opened her eyes to a degree, you know, when you're when you're in one situation and one culture and one environment, it's very hard to think of something outside of that to to a certain level. You know, you'll you'll find that for people that uh, maybe have never traveled to other really different kinds of countries and and seen other cultures, 
and you know heard everyone around them speaking a different language it's you know without being exposed to to different things and different ideas i don't think you'll just sort of come up with hey maybe i should do this or try this instead of that i i hope i'm explaining myself anyway the vulcans here on this ship have opened their eyes and opened their minds to this idea but the problem is they even though they've been working on this for you know seven eight years i think it is mentioned on the show there's still a lot for them to learn you know humans have always had to deal with their emotions and how to basically control yourself you know in, in everyone's day-to-day lives you're always having to basically suppress your emotions you know you have to think about something and not let uh sometimes uh, under certain stressful situations like driving uh you know, when something bad or even something that really good happens to you, you it's very hard to just sort of let loose. You, you, you've you always been taught to sort of control yourself to a degree. You know, little kids especially uh, ha- lack that kind of discipline and control. And as you get older, you become a little bit better at it. There's some people that are better than others. I tend to be the kind of person that I, I control when I have to, what I what I need, but I also I have friends and family that I know that I can sort of vent to, and I think that's healthy. I've always thought Vulcans must have it really hard and, you know, to keep all that stuff sort of bottled up. And that that kind of thing comes up on Star Trek uh, also mentioned uh, a lot of times that, you know, it's it's, in humans, at least, it's not a very healthy situation. Generally, people will say if you keep everything sort of bottled up inside that that can sort of lead to a time where you'll just sort of you know, lose it completely and, and almost have a breakdown perhaps. But anyway, uh, probably getting off onto a few more tangents than I meant to. But that's the basic idea of this episode. And uh, T'Pol is um, is kind of uh, the, you know, the, the focus of the situations and her dealing with these new Vulcans. So let's get into the show specifically a little bit. I've got, of course, some clips, about 10 of them to go through for you. And uh, let's start off with the first one. This is very, of course, at the beginning of the episode when they run into an not run into literally, but uh, meet up with this Vulcan ship of uh, highly unusual Vulcan. So here we go. I get the feeling you weren't sent out here by the high command. Not quite. We're a civilian ship. What brings you out this far? I suppose you could say we're on a mission of exploration. From what I'm told, Vulcans aren't that interested in exploring. We're not typical Vulcans. I'd be happy to explain, but first, I'd like to ask a favor. Certainly. Our propulsion and life support systems are in need of repair. We'd be grateful for any assistance you could offer. We'll see what we can do. command looking over our shoulders on several occasions as well. <laughs> That's good to know. I was starting to think they'd singled us out. Our chef's had a lot of experience lately preparing Vulcan dishes. Paul says he's gotten pretty good at it. Uh, what is that? Oh, it's called chicken. Oh, uh, may I? Of course. It's, um, meat, you know. It looks delicious. Yeah, so so our, obviously something is already a little up there. Uh, you know, Vulcans are generally, um, you know, they don't eat meat. Uh, they're vegetarians. He's asking for a piece of Archer's chicken. <laughs> 
Archer's chicken. That's a good idea for a chain, maybe. It has a good ring to it. Uh, or chef's chicken. Anyway, uh, this... Um, this situation here is is really uh, unusual, and the captain there is named uh, Tavin. This uh, the captain of the Vulcan ship. This episode, I have to say, I forgot to mention earlier, is, was the story was by uh, Branham Braga and Rick Berman, of course, uh, the creators of Enterprise, who uh, came up with the idea for this tale. So uh, just keep that in mind as we're going through it. Uh, the next clip that I have for you, this one's just after what the one I just played, pretty much. And this one uh, brings up a little bit more information about what these Vulcans are all about and uh, where they come from. T'Pol recognizes them uh, once she figures out that they've uh, sort of started to embrace their emotions and are not, as Tavin said there earlier, not your typical Vulcans. You're Ratash Couture. I'm sorry? Vulcans without logic. It's a name the elders give to anyone who disagrees with the ancestral teachings, but it's not entirely accurate. We haven't abandoned logic. We've simply learned to exist without the need to continually repress our emotions. It's taken years of experimentation, but we've managed to find a balance between the two. That's not possible. Here we are. Logic is an essential part of Vulcan existence. But it has to complement emotions, not exclude them. You must know a great deal about emotion. You live on a human starship. And that's not something that many Vulcans would be comfortable with. I'm here as an observer. I'm sorry. I didn't mean to offend you. I'm not capable of feeling offense. Yeah, so, uh, you know, these uh, the Vatash Couture, I think is how you say it, V, uh, high, uh, apostrophe, Vatash Couture, yeah, whatever. <laughs> a Vulcan kind of name for these uh, these Vulcans that are not your typical ones, that are uh, not repressing their emotions. Uh, the, uh, the thing I noticed when I was going through and watching this episode again, because I hadn't seen it in a while, is, is T'Pol is, and, and the way she, her performance and, and the way she acts in this episode uh, is rather interesting. She, she early on in, in Enterprise in the series, especially in the first season, was very, very neutral. You know, she almost tried, I think, a little too hard to be logical and neutral, and it comes off as sort of a little bit of almost bland in a way. I don't know how to describe it exactly, but, you know, I, I think it kind of works against her a little bit, and I think there was some... When Enterprise first uh, came on, uh, I think jo- Jolene uh, Blaylock, you know, she got a little heat, I think, for her performance and saying, you know, she wasn't a very good actress. And I've heard, you know, Leonard Nimoy and other people uh, that have had to play Vulcans in Trek over the years say how difficult it is because basically being an actor is always really using your emotions and probably doing things even more emotional and overboard than you would normally do in, in day-to-day life and to, to kind of have that taken away from you has got to be really tricky i'd say leonard nimoy well because he probably and uh you know was the first example of it set the set the role model and or set the you know the model for everyone that had to come further but he had one distinct advantage in, in his uh you know his opportunity or whatever you want to say portrayal or his character spock Spock being half human, half Vulcan, gave him a a big, you know, it was both a a blessing and a curse. Uh, You know, it gave him an edge, though, I think, and it allowed him to sort of slip just a little bit 
of emotion in now and then, sometimes when he was under some kind of, you know, disease or alien influence or whatever was going on. But even when he wasn't, and later on, especially when you got into the movies, he became uh, sort of this logical Vulcan, but with a touch of, of humanness and human emotion. You know, there's that great line that Kirk says at his funeral in, in The Wrath of Khan, where he says, he, you know, his his friend Spock was it was one of the most human uh, souls that he had ever encountered in all his journeys. And I, I always love that line because it just, you know... He was probably at that point, he was sort of like the almost a perfect, you know, eh, perfect isn't the right word again, but he was he was such a, a distinct individual and a human being in a way to Kirk. And he wasn't just this, you know, very logical, suppressed, emotional list uh, Vulcan. So uh, I hope that helps explain what I'm trying to get across a little bit. But, you know, these these Vitash Couture people here are trying to do that, but of course it's very difficult for them. I think being full Vulcan, it's even more difficult than, than Spock would. And after his in, in Spock's encounter with V'ger in the first Star Trek movie, that sort of opened his eyes a bit. So uh, again, Rico is getting off onto the tangents today, so bear with me. I hope it helps, and I hope you enjoy those, those little diversions. So uh, there's another little side story going on in this episode. It's with this uh, Vulcan engineer, Kav, I think is his name. Uh, it's uh, him and Trip, and uh, they discuss you know the differences differences between Vulcans and humans as they help work on the Vulcan ship. So there's some good scenes here. The next clip uh, that I'm going to play is in the uh, the mess hall area where they're talking about Vulcan mating rituals, I believe. So listen to this. There's a uh, something I've always wondered about Vulcans. Maybe you could clear it up for me, please. It's kind of personal. Go ahead. I've learned about your marriage customs. How your parents arrange the whole thing when you're young, stuff like that. But what about... You know. Ah, you mean sex. It's not a topic I've heard Vulcans discuss. Well, we do have it, if that's what you're asking. Am I interrupting anything? No, please join us, Mr... Reed. Malcolm Reed. Tav. We were just discussing Vulcan mating rituals. Oh. Most of my people are extremely uncomfortable talking about such things. So many inhibitions. Vulcan males are driven to mate once every seven years. Seven years? Frightening. Over the past few years, we've been developing methods to accelerate the mating cycle. <laughs> yeah, it's a fun scene there. Uh, basically, when he yells out, uh, oh, you mean sex? It, you know, the whole area quiets down and everyone kind of turns to listen to what they're having to say. So that uh, is kind of fun and interesting. You know, the, the odd thing I always find about this a little bit, and I can understand why they did it for the show, but, you know, Vulcans and humans had had been working together for, you know, about, what is it, about 100 years or so by the time uh, Enterprise, you know, the time frame of Enterprise. So it's it's a little hard for me to believe that they wouldn't have learned a few things, you know, more about Vulcans in all that time. But I, I guess it's possible, and certain people might not know what other people know. You know, it might not be like it's published in, you know, the current uh, Wikipedia, whatever that is, in you know, in the time frame of Enterprise, but 
yeah, look up Vulcans and you can find out everything you need to know. So, so this is the the sort of like I said side story here with Cov and and Trip and there are some other things that go on as we we'll, as we go through the episode. Now this uh, there's this Vulcan that starts to work with uh, T'Pol. Uh, his name is Tolaris. He's uh, he's uh, uh, a Spanish actor. His name I, I looked it up. It's like uh, Enrique uh, Murciano or something like that. He has a little bit of a strange accent, and I, I was kind of wondering maybe why they went with uh, him as an actor for this because he comes off a little you know a little odd uh, sounding at times. Uh, I'm not sure why they they chose him. I think he does a good job in the episode. He's, he turns out to be kind of a nasty guy in the in the end, but he starts to work with. Uh, work with T'Pol in mapping this area of uh, space that they're in. And uh, he urges T'Pol to basically basically to uh, stop meditating for a night. T'Pol has this regular routine, as most Vulcans probably have to do, where they, they have a period of each day. Uh, I don't know if it's always in the evening or whatever, but they do, uh, you know, they have to do a period of meditation to help them, you know, discipline their mind and control their emotions and all of that and sort of put the genie back in the bottle and, and put the cork on it to uh, to keep things under control. And that also keeps their dreams uh, suppressed. You find out in this episode that Vulcans typically don't really dream, at least dreams that they can recall, probably due to this uh, the mind and the way they have it uh, compartmentalized and disciplined out. Well, Tolaris uh, urges Paul to sort of skip meditation. You know, why don't you just skip that one night and see what happens? Well, of course, when she does this, she has these very vivid, very sexual dreams uh, with her, and, and Tolaris is in there, and it's uh, it's pretty uh, pretty wild. So uh, <laughs> she has to go see uh, Flock. She has to go see the doctor the next morning. She's a little bit messed up because of it. So here's the next clip uh, after that uh, happens. I can understand why you'd be intrigued by their philosophy. Maybe you shouldn't be so quick to dismiss it after one bad experience. There are too many risks. It would be unwise to continue. You're probably right. But uh, if you do decide to experiment further, keep in mind that they've been working on this for a number of years. You've only known them for two days. Go slowly. Thank you, Doctor. Yeah, they use some uh, they use some strange, wild kind of interesting music during these dream sequences that T'Pol has, and then later on when they she does a mind meld with Tolaris, which I'll talk about in a few minutes here. Uh, it's an interesting way to do it. Uh, I'm not sure what I think about it. I thought it was a little maybe overboard, perhaps. Uh, but uh, anyway, the uh, next clip. Uh, Archer gets a message that uh, Cobb's father, who's he's really a nice guy. I like his character. I thought he was kind of a, a very good blending of emotional and logical Vulcans. He's he seems real amiable with Trip, and, and he, he reminds me of a lot of Leonard Nimoy as a Vulcan, as Spock later on when uh, in the movies when he sort of was okay with having a little emotion in his personality. Uh, but uh, Archer gets this message about his father, Cobb's father, being very ill. And the next clip here is his discussion uh, about that with Kav. And I thought it was kind of interesting because, it, it, and you know, Vulcans seem to have a lot of difficulties, family difficulties, for being so logical and, and that, uh, uh, you know, Spock had problems with his family and T'Pol has problems with hers. And here this guy also has problems with his. It seems like there's a lot of uh, family problems on Vulcan. So listen to this clip. I called you here to pass along a message 
from your father. You spoke with him? Actually, it came through a Vulcan ambassador. I'm sorry to be the one to tell you this, but your father is very ill. He wants you to contact him as soon as possible. If you'd like, my comm officer can arrange the transmission. It's a kind offer, but I'll deal with this myself. Thanks for the message. I know it's none of my business, but do you plan on contacting him? The last time I spoke with my father, he said I brought shame to 15 generations of our family. He's dying, Cobb. If it isn't too much trouble, would you please send a message back for me? Tell him that we said goodbye a long time ago. Yeah, so you can see, you know, Vulcans, uh, like I said, they got some family problems, it seems, a lot a lot of times. So uh, maybe uh, maybe sometimes having emotions and talking things out and even a yelling and screaming occasionally could be a good thing. So uh, anyway, moving on, uh, the, the probably real main big point of this episode is this mind meld situation that happens between uh, this Tolaris character, bad, bad Vulcan guy, and uh, to Paul, she's you know he's he's so kind of whatever he he's pushing this uh, idea of exploring your emotions onto Paul. She's already a little agitated because of uh, you know not meditating and the dream she had, and then he suggests this uh, this sort of at this point in time ancient uh, Vulcan technique of this mind meld to open your mind to another another's mind another Vulcan's mind in his case he's going to mind meld with her and it it, it basically goes bad uh, I've got two two clips I kind of split it uh, I'll, I'll say a couple things after the first clip but uh, he uh, he's he's kind of uh, sort of I, I don't it's a bad way to put it or I, I don't know other anyway he kind of mind rapes her basically you know he, he forces himself at one point she wants him to stop in the second clip I think that comes up and, and he doesn't and then she has to sort of push him away so anyway listen to this uh, it's a little uh, this, this one is is probably a little hard to understand uh, you probably all have seen the episode but uh, there isn't as much dialogue here but you'll you'll know what's going on I think. My mind to your mind. Your thoughts to my thoughts. Our minds are merging. Our minds are becoming one. (gasps) Am I with you? Yes. Can you sense my thoughts? Yes. You're doing well. I want you to think about that night when you left the compound. Imagine yourself walking down that street. Yeah, he uh, he takes her back to this uh, this dream that she had, and uh, was a situation when she was on uh, on Earth in San Francisco. She went out kind of to a nightclub, uh, to kind of sort of enjoy what humans enjoy and and see what that's all about, and. She found she was sort of invigorated by the experience, and that's what turned out to be uh, 
kind of the focus of her dreams, except in a sort of a new and, and different uh, way with Tolaris there as well. So uh, the uh, the next part of this clip is just shortly after the one I played uh, and starts off with that weird uh, music I was talking about. So uh, listen to this now, and I'll be back in a sec. This was a mistake. You've made progress. Don't give up now. Please go. To Paul. Leave. You're feeling anger. Your emotions are breaking the surface. Embrace them. What a shame. Okay, so bad, bad thing there, bad Vulcan, bad Vulcan. Get sit, sit, lay down. <laughs> yeah, he was a he's a nasty guy, so I don't like him. Don't like him at all. The uh, next clip though, Archer, um, Archer confronts uh, Tolaris about this situation. T'Pol's pretty messed up in, in sick bay. Uh, I like this next scene and clip. Uh, it's uh, a little bit longer. This one's a couple minutes long, but uh, I was uh, enjoying it so much I wanted to play the whole thing for you. So here we go with uh, Archer and Tolaris. Subcommander T'Pol's in sickbay. From what the doctor tells me, she's in pretty bad shape. That's unfortunate. What happened? You know damn well what happened. She told me about your, what she call it, mind meld? She said when she asked you to stop, you got angry. She said she had to force you away. What happened between us is personal. It's not your concern. You assaulted a member of my crew. I did no such thing. Mind melts can be emotionally turbulent. She simply panicked. Panic doesn't land you in sick bay. Our doctor said she could have suffered neurological damage thanks to you. No one forced her to try them out. She did it willingly. You've been manipulating her ever since you came aboard. I am helping her shed a lifetime of repression. And you, of all people, should understand what I'm trying to do. You're human. I need to go see her. DePaul's had enough of your help. Stay away from her. She is in a crucial stage of her awakening. She needs guidance. I told you, it's over. I think that's for her to decide. Maybe I'm not making myself clear. Sick bay's off limits. You're in my way, Captain. You'd be wise to let me leave. What's wrong, Talaris? Getting angry? Thought you had that under control. Move aside. T'Pol's right. You've got a temper. Go to hell. across the room that hard. I'm gonna try a different approach. I think it's time you and your friends went on your merry way. Yeah, good good scene there, Scott Bakula. I always like Scott to on you know a lot of things that he's done over the years. Quantum Leap, he was great on. I, I really enjoyed him as uh, Archer on 
on Enterprise. He he really sticks up for his crew. He was the kind of uh, kind of captain I I kind of thought that uh, I would be if I was in that kind of situation. He's very uh, you know he's got some good friends. He's very loyal and all that kind of stuff. And he's he's not going to take any any crap basically from this guy, even though he could pretty much you know throw him across the room and rip his head off. But you know get off my ship, leave my crew alone. So good for him. Yeah. <laughs> uh, let's see what else we have. Got two more to play. Two more clips. The next one's just a little goodbye between Kav and Trip. Uh, it's nice to see at least a couple of them have parted as friends in this episode, especially with everything that went on with uh, with T'Pol and the uh, the bad Vulcan Tolaris. Yeah, we don't like him. But anyway, here's uh, Trip uh, saying goodbye to Kav. I thought you'd like to know. I got an update on my father. Apparently, his conditions improved. Is that so? The surgeons implanted a vasostimulator. They say with any luck, it'll extend his life a few years. I'm glad to hear it. That'll give you a little more time to think about making that call. I already did. My father's the one who gave me the good news. Thank you, Trip. Anytime. Again, nice, nice, nice guy there. Nice Vulcan. It would been nice to have seen him again sometime and seen what, uh, you know, if the, if it is possible for some of them to uh, to integrate emotions and logic uh, successfully and not be uh, a lunatic like that Tolaris guy was. So, uh, one last one uh, clip back. Uh, this one's uh, to Paul in her quarters, kind of at the end of the episode, and Archer comes to visit her where she's. Uh, going to do her uh, meditation for the night back in her normal routine so uh, listen to this and i'll be back to uh wrap up the look at a fusion come in is this a bad time not at all feeling any better has the vulcan ship left About 20 minutes ago. Then yes, I'm feeling better. You do this every night? Every night. I think... I finally understand why. I'll see you in the morning. Captain. Do you dream? Sure. Sometimes they're even in color. Is it enjoyable? Most nights. I envy you.
Well, there, you've got uh, the episode Fusion from Season 1 of Enterprise. Uh, interesting uh, episode. A uh, different look at Vulcan and Vulcans, and uh, I thought that they did a good job with it. Uh, the performances were strong. Uh, it's uh, it's always interesting when they do these kinds of episodes where they explore the characters a bit more, and you know it's not really a plot driven episode at all. There's nothing really major happening that you know somebody's trying to destroy the ship or they run into a new set of uh, aliens that there's some situation or anything. This is just a way to bring out the characters and uh, things like that in the show, and they did a good job with it. I enjoyed it. And again, I have to say, uh, like I have said many times before, Enterprise still a great series and, and still just as good as, uh, you know, worthy of the Star Trek title, let's just say. A very short uh, little interlude break here. I'll be back with the collectible in a second. No, wait, stop the presses. I forgot. Uh, sorry. I've got, of course, play the weekly uh, some most weeks, uh, father and son review from the Moyers about this episode of Enterprise. So take it away, Moyers. Well, Rico, I just wanted to uh, say that uh, this is a cool episode, and Nathan had to work today, so I'm kind of doing the review by myself today. And we we did confer on this very review. We did something more special for it because we figured to be creative and. How, how much can you say about a Vulcan episode like this where the Vulcans run wild? So here we go. This is our version of uh, a review for Fusion Enterprise called The Love Ship. Thanks, Rico. Emotions Exciting and We're assaulting you Emotions Life's newest reward Have some chicken with me In the captain's room The love ship Soon we'll be setting their phasers on stun the love ship promises something for everyone. Set a course for deep space, your mind on a new felt glance. Hey, what about Pon Far? Emotions won't hurt anymore. They're all open game. Space we explore It's emotion Welcome aboard It's emotion Well, there you go And uh, I hope you enjoyed that, everybody And yeah, that's our uh, take on Fusion uh, let me see how many stars do I give that episode? I, you know, that episode I didn't. It wasn't the th- most thrilling episode in the world, but it was kind of cool. So I'll give it three and a half stars. And uh, this is Rick, and that has been the father and almost kind of son review. Okay, guys, have a good day. Oh, that's great! I uh, really, uh, really enjoyed that. Thanks a lot, Rick uh, and Nathan too. Uh, sorry you couldn't make it for this one, but the love ship. Oh, that's just fantastic. I've got. Uh, 
I've got some ideas of something to do with that little uh, song that you slid my way. So, uh, yeah, that's uh, that's really good. Thanks a lot, Rick. Really appreciate that and everything else that you sent in for this week's show. Uh, and now it will be a short little break, and then we'll come back with the collectible. It's time for a collectible review on Treks and Sci-Fi. All right. Thanks again for uh, that uh, segue clip there, uh, Mr. Moyer, and all the ones you did on this week's show. Those are great. Uh, really helped, uh, you know, kind of organize my uh, show and thoughts a little bit better, too. So appreciate that. Uh, this week we've got a collectible, original series collectible. I just got these about, I guess, about a week ago or so. Um, they're made by uh, Diamond Select, Art Asylum. It's, uh, well, here, this is what it is. Most of you will recognize that sound. That is, of course, a uh, sound of an original series, Star Trek original series communicator. Let me do that one more time because it's so much fun to uh, to play with this thing anyway. Here we go. Yes, this is uh, the latest in a, a very cool and great line of things that Art Asylum has, has been putting out. They did a phaser. They did a few versions of it, uh, a one-to-one scale prop replica toy uh, in a way but it's a it's probably more of a prop uh really great job on that and the communicator follows in that uh series another one-to-one scale uh version of the original series communicator now this has been done by several uh companies over the years in different ways uh the master replicas of course did a did a very uh, fine job on one with you know very big attention to detail to the original series even though for the real uh, prop nuts out there, they changed a few things to a degree. Uh, the The basic thing is is the communicators and props in the original series. And I've been meaning to get a guy who's a real expert on these things on on the podcast sometime. I'm still trying to uh, coordinate that. Uh, his name is John Long. He spent some time over on the Replica Prop Forum and uh, trying to uh, – he's agreed to it. I just have to set up a good time to interview and talk to him. He's looked at some actually surviving pieces from – the original series that uh, I'd like him to get on the show and talk about. But anyway, Art Asylum has been putting out these items, and uh, the Communicator Master Replicas did one. They also did a Communicator uh, along the same line as that and, and, and look for the um, the Las Vegas Star Trek experience. They did that, and then now they've come out with this one. It's uh, it, it's not too expensive. These cost about $20, $25. I ordered a couple from entertainmentearth.com online because uh, if you uh, play with them and uh, push a certain button on the on the, the lower uh, right on the communicator, they play uh, different clips from uh, the show. Your signal is very weak. Can you turn up your game? So, uh, as you can hear, uh, there's a lot of different clips here. An Entertainment Earth's version of this plays one extra clip, another one of the Spock clips on here. And it's really cool. It has a spinning uh, spinning dial in the middle, which I never say properly, uh, so I'm not going to attempt it. M-O-I-R-E. <laughs> so somebody emailed me about that one time. I said it, you know moir or something like that or however i can still never remember how to say that properly and i apologize so uh i think it's more or something is the right way to say it anyway 
Uh, it's got uh, little jewel lights. Uh, there's a red one that'll blink in the center, a yellow one on the left, a blue one on the right-hand side. And I think that's the the exception clipper, the one from Entertainment Earth that they added in. But this is a great, great item. It's got a plastic black shell, of course. It's got a gold, uh, uh, simulated gold-plated, I guess. Uh, I don't know if it's any real gold is put into this at all. Probably not, uh, I don't think. But the uh, the grid on the top, of course. And, and communicators have always been a great and a cool item, especially these days, because they are so much like modern-day cell phones, it's, it's pretty crazy. Although these things look kind of uh, antiquated and, and don't do nearly what a uh, modern cell phone can do. But considering these things had to talk to, uh, you know, uh, a starship in orbit, that's pretty good. Pretty good range. Pretty good distance. So, uh, so there you have it. This is Diamond Select Art Asylums. They're sort of a, a, a joint company, I guess now, or Diamond Select bought Art Asylum. I don't know who owns what, but uh, the Star Trek communicator from the original series. Pick one up now while you can. This is a great item. I would have loved. I would have just died to have. Uh, the cool things they're putting out like this when I was growing up. Uh, I had to sort of build and make my own, and they were, of course, not nearly as nice as something that you can just buy off the shelf these days and uh, and have some fun with. So uh, the, so there you go. It takes a couple of batteries. There's screws on the back to change the batteries. It has a little uh, plastic slide that comes out of it, uh, which is kind of uh, unfortunate because it, it, I'll have to say one little flaw or one little thing that I don't like is Although maybe there's a little way to plug that hole. I don't know. But, you know, a lot of toys that use batteries, they have a plastic insert in them to protect and keep the contacts from making full contact. So when these things sit around and on the shelves, the batteries aren't being drained as it just sits there. And uh, you pull that little plastic slide out uh, to uh, allow the batteries to uh, function and work for the device. It's nice it comes with batteries and that they're already pre-installed, but... There's a tiny slot on the right-hand side of it where this plastic slide, you pull it out. Uh, and I'll have to look at that. It looks almost like there's a way to plug it. I'm not sure if there's anything in the box to do that with. I didn't look closely enough. Uh, it's not a it's not a huge thing, and I guess if you really wanted to, you could take a little, uh, little uh, contour putty that you get at a hobby store and paint it black and, and, and plug that little hole if you want to. But on the front and on the surface overall, it uh, it's a great item. The one thing this thing doesn't have that like Master Replicas put in in the in the Las Vegas communicator also had was that little beep beep you know the little alert sound that would let the uh, you know landing parties know that uh, that somebody was trying to contact them. It does of course have the opening sound, but it doesn't have that other sound uh, associated. The uh, Master Replicas has a little button on the back to do that with. But again, not a really a big deal. Uh, a great item for the collection, and if you're a Trek fan, you got to pick one of these up, definitely. Go check out EntertainmentEarth.com. I think they have them in stock now. Okay, gang, that is going to do it for this week's edition of Treks in Sci-Fi for podcast number 165 about fusion and other things we discussed. Uh, hope you enjoyed this week's show. Again, next weekend we'll be talking about uh, Battlestar Galactica. If you have any comments about uh, either the original series or the newer series, send them on in to treksf at gmail.com. Be glad to play those on the show. And we'll be looking at, again, in two weeks, some classic uh, sci-fi movies from the past. Send your audio in for that show. That should be a lot of fun as well. And I hope everyone has a great uh, St. Patrick's Day. I uh, I hope you enjoy the video that I made and, and put out in the feed. And if you, again, don't have the access to the feed, 
just go over to uh, YouTube and, and search for Trex in Sci-Fi, and you will find it. So uh, with all of that, I'm out of here. And everyone, have a great week. Talk to you again soon. Bye-bye. It's been a long road. <laughs> Getting from there to here. It's been a long time. <laughs> but my time is finally here. <laughs> and I will see my dreams come alive at last. I will touch the sky. <laughs> Don't even remember the best. No, hold me down. No, no. No, they're not going to change. Okay. Oh, man, <laughs> the best part was coming up. Because I've got faith of, of the, the heart. heart. <laughs> no, <laughs> take me. <laughs> okay. I can do anything. I've got strength. Oh, strength. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I'll leave that so you can... For information on Trex and Sci-Fi, visit the Trex and Sci-Fi website at www.trexandsci-fi.com.